Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to the One Bitcoin Show. Today is March the 24th. 2020 strong hand long-term thinking golden age baby it's the having hype we'll talk about the having personal responsibility is the new counterculture we, we're going to talk about that so yeah i am still offended by selling your bitcoin of course don't fomo on alts we got jw weatherman in the house tonight today wherever you may be uh, remember my elite friends. Hello, elite friends. If you've got questions, I got answers. You can type in a Bitcoin Meister, do a super chat, and we will answer your questions. Retweet this because uh, YouTube isn't really sending out good notifications anymore. It was crazy stuff's going on in this world, and JW is, is going to talk about it. So, welcome back to the show, JW Weatherman. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me back. It's always fun to hang out with the uh, the crazy Adam Meister. Now. What's going on is a lot of people, uh, I don't think they're even seeing some of the awesome stuff that you're tweeting out there because uh, of a possible shadow ban. Who knows? We're, we will talk about that. No, um, it's, it's guaranteed, man, because uh, I, I have too many people screenshotting that uh, and sending it to me where they get to see one comment of mine. And then there's a lot of that's just it says uh, it's been removed um, or I think it says that I've deleted them. So people think I'm deleting all my tweets. I did delete one tweet in the last month, but not the uh, seven uh, in a row that are showing up on screenshots. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, why uh, maybe you're being shadow banned is that uh, you are, uh, you're not living in fear right now. There are a no. lot of people living in fear. And when people are scared, it appears also they're willing to give up a, uh, their freedom. Uh, what is what is your take on the uh, current event situation? So yeah, basically, I uh, I think I don't think the virus is that big of a deal. But even if it is, the range of possible responses, like actual actionable things that you might do, are anything from avoiding old folks in a bad flu season, like you would, all the way to wearing a mask and gloves when you go to the grocery store, and you know, assuming you can work from home, working from home, right? Uh, maybe washing all of your groceries in a bleach solution before you bring them in the house. None of that's crazy right now, right? Like anybody that does anything within that range, totally fine. Nobody's really doing anything outside of that range. So it doesn't really matter, right? Um, but at the end of the day, I think uh, I think that it's way overblown. I think people are freaking out. And the, the main thing is, I know that the media is incentivized to cause fear and terror, um, I've caught them in several lies over the last month trying to get me to in embrace fear and terror. Um, and I've seen no evidence that I should be fearful or terrorized. So based on that, I just, I don't, I don't think there's a there there, but, um, but you know, uh, I'm still avoiding old folks and I'm still avoiding the sick because I could have COVID right now, and I don't want to put anybody at risk, but I'm not wearing a mask to the grocery store. So, but that's just my personal selection in this range of reasonable things. And uh, yeah, I'm certainly not uh, asking the government to take all of my rights and freedoms away so that I don't get whatever this might be. Yes. So pound that like button. That's very sensible. JW and Adam Meister, we believe in personal responsibility here, but 
what's your take on it seems like the majority of people defaulting to the government for a solution are we living in a uh, in the united states here or in california wherever you want to say has it become fascist is everyone uh, living for the state and uh is the state picking winners and losers what, I mean, what, what do you think about this i mean clearly statism is the default here for, I, it's very shocking yeah. yeah i mean i think i think most people are statists right i think the the you know, if you were 2000 years ago, you might be worshiping the sun. Uh, I think most people now are worshiping the state. It's just, it's so part of our culture and part of our nature at this point that we don't even recognize it. And uh, I think when stuff happens like this, it becomes a little bit more clear. But, you know, the same people that are asking the government to take all of our powers, they're also the same people that are putting their kids in public school and having them indoctrinated for 40 hours a week. It's just not as shocking. Like if you really step back and you go, all right, Bob, Bob is freaking out right now and he's he's become a fascist. But, you know, a month ago, Bob dropped his eight-year-old daughter off and put him in the hands of a 45-year-old on his second marriage, probably alcoholic, low IQ monkey for 40 hours a week at public school where he's going to be, she's going to be indoctrinated. And, you know, based on some very clear statistics, has a much higher chance of being sexually abused, right? So, you know, I, I thought Bob was crazy before. That said, Bob's freaked me out enough over the last month to where I'm going to move. I'm getting out of California. Um, so I'm not being an alarmist. I'm trying to keep it in context of everything I know about my neighbors and history and all that. But my uh, risk assessment has changed over the last couple of weeks. Okay. So uh, you are there any uh, states or cities you'd uh, recommend uh where uh, there is uh, not this default to authority and where the authorities aren't overreaching. I, 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 right now, I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing any research, but I mean, there's gotta be some state out there where the governors aren't trying to show off who can outdo. I mean, it's who can outdo the other one who could be more of an author authoritarian. It, it, is there, is there a state or city out there that's still free? <laughs> uh, well, no, but there isn't a country either. Um, so, I mean, I'm staying, my thought process is basically I'm staying in the U.S. because I want to be able to shoot bad guys if they come in my house. And it's pretty hard to get that right anywhere else. Um, it's also pretty wealthy here, which means like, you know, if you, you, people have this idea that you can move to Costa Rica or um, Panama or, you know, wherever. And if you, uh, if you do that, your cost of living is way lower. But the reality is you just have to live like a homeless person down there to have your cost of living lower. And you could live like a homeless person here. The reality is, like a gallon of milk at Walmart in the United States is as cheap as you're going to get it anywhere on the globe. Um, and so for those reasons, I'm staying in the U S um, and I, I'm not really sure which state I'm going to live in yet. Um, but I'm mostly looking for just less population density. Um, it's a big sacrifice because it's a lot easier to invest in startups um, where I'm at right now, which is in the East Bay of San Francisco. Uh, it's, you know, I, I can drive over to Silicon Valley um, and meet with potential startups and do due diligence and all that sort of stuff. So my income's probably going to take a hit, but, um, but yeah, I mean, big picture though, I guess the other thing is I'm just, I have more money than I have stress to spend. And I think I'll be less stressed out with just less population density, especially with weird stuff like this happening. I'm not looking for a utopia. I'm just looking for uh, a place that's slightly less weird. Well, now that we're talking about locations, real quick, how, how are things on the streets out there on the East Bay? I mean, have you been walking around? Does it look the same to you? Or, uh, or, or, or I mean, yeah. no, one, no one's enforcing these rules here in LA. I know that. But uh, 
What's yeah, it, what's it's, it's, it looks about the same. I mean, I, I would say like the, the main thing that I'm doing is this, uh, my wife and I have laughed about this being maybe not the smartest thing, but uh, I'm trying to keep an, a beat on sort of the environment and how everybody's feeling. And I, you can't trust the news. You can't trust the media. So like I, I'm going to the grocery store every couple of days. I never go to the grocery store. Like I, my wife does the shopping and it's delivered and all that, but I'll just go in and talk to the checker. And I would say a week ago when I went in, um, people were terrified. Like I walked in the grocery store and it was so palpable. Like there was a woman scrubbing down. Uh, there's a Trader Joe's um, that I went into. A woman cleaning the uh, the shopping the little shopping cart and uh, all stressed out. And, hey, how's it going? You know, thanks for doing that. And she's like, just went into this rant. Like she, it, it was it was really it was a really creepy environment. Everybody was stressed out. I'd say it's chilled out quite a bit, but it's not normal yet. The atmosphere is very strange. But people are still going to the grocery store. So. Yeah, and that's the thing. The, the 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 country or the government, whoever you want to say, says you know shut it down, everyone. But still, but grocery stores can remain open. If if it's being spread, it's going to be spread there. I mean, they're picking winners and losers here, and uh, I, I I believe uh, it. You know, old people lock yourself up, take personal responsibility. Uh, we need to get back to work here. Uh, I, I think as a country, we got to get back into that mindset. Because we are definitely living in unprecedented times uh, where the world economy has been basically shut down. What's your take on that? how long uh, we can last with the world economy being shut down? Actually, I think it's already turning. Um, I, I expected it to flip a few days ago. So big picture, what I think happened, and you know, I could be wrong about this, but this is my working hypothesis. The Chinese identified a new virus. There's nothing particularly interesting about this new virus. Um, but with the SARS panic and just their central planning and corruption, and they don't have good data, they they kind of freaked out and overreacted. Um, not a ton, though, for their style of running things, um, but they they did. Um, between that and the, uh, I, th I think that was the, the cause, right? I think that set the fire. What blew it into craziness was a combination of social media and regular old media. The old media is dying. They're so thirsty for clicks. It's just ridiculous. And all they do is amp up and terrorize people. Social media, on the other hand, has this problem where it's really hard to tell who's an idiot and who's not. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of creates this natural mob, right? So you have this mob, but social media at this point in time like Twitter, for example, they have to implement, they have to make people like me quiet because if they don't, and I'm saying unpopular things, the government is already got them by the neck, right? They're already being threatened with essentially nationalizing Twitter over elections and other things. And so if I'm saying, hey, I don't think it's that big of a deal and they don't silence my voice, they're going to, they're going to be out of business, right? Assuming that I, I remain an unpopular voice, um, or even if I'm just unpopular for a period of time, like they can, they can really be burned. So I think they've implemented systems that segregate off people like me, the contrarians, because otherwise they won't be able to survive. Their business model won't work with the political pressure that exists. And what that means is that the people that normally take out the flame, right, that normally slow down the panic, people like me, in this situation, I mean, I could be, I could be a panicking next week about something else. I'd probably have more of a tendency to panic over, you know, draconian government measures than a virus, but either way, people like me trying to say, Oh, it's not that big of a deal are taken out of the conversation. 
and people that are freaking out are amplified. And that's just the nature of the, the algorithms that they've had to implement. So I think those two things are interesting. Like they're interesting, like on a, a historical perspective, right? Media being that desperate for clicks and that irrelevant and stupid um, and just that willing to lie. I think this might be peak in like all of human civilization on that front. Social media being set up to amplify stupidity, I think might be peak uh, because I don't think that Jack, for example, wants it to work like that. I think he really wants to, uh, Jack Dorsey, and I think the people at Twitter, they really want this thing to, to work, but they're being forced to be the moderators. And so they have to write algorithms that highlight the popular and quiet down the unpopular. And that just amplifies anything, right? And in this case, I think it's amplifying the COVID pandemic. Yeah, well, you, you had a tweet out there talking about how it's... It's similar. I mean, it's on a whole new level here. But uh, when we have the tropical storms, how the media just plays on the fear, it's unbelievable because that is what sells. And it, it is quite interesting. We've had these uh, – uh, the, the news has sort of leaked out about the, uh, the anti-malarial uh, drug that people can take. And it, it, the media is portraying that as like almost like that's not true. And they're not even talking about it. I mean they're not giving people hope. They want to like extend this thing for as long as possible. It seems like it is guys, there is a, you know, this is going to end. Eventually we will get back to normal life. Uh, and we should do everything in our power to come, you know, to say that, you know, that life is, life is going to go on here, dudes. And they're just do not add to this panic prison. And, and I, I'm glad, uh, you know, there's, there's some of us here in the Bitcoin land that, that are usually talking about Bitcoin, like you and me, who are, who are not afraid to go against this mob. I mean, it is because, what do you think about the social media mob? I mean, and that Bitcoin people have seemed to join it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because politicians are always trying to ride this beast of the mob, right? And it's kind of an unpredictable beast. I don't think that most of the politicians that were freaking out about COVID last week, I think actually you can see Trump's response if you were kind of paying attention, at first he was trying to downplay it and say it wasn't a big deal. I think what happened though is between the media and social media and just people's general fear, uh, he realized that that's gonna cost him way too many political points. So he yeah. can't afford to keep trying to calm people down. So, you know, cause his job is to ride this donkey. It's not to redefine it, right? So, all right, well, uh, polls are saying everybody's gonna freak out. I better, I better, uh, you know, I can guide it gently one way or another, but this thing is, it's, it's on a tear. Um, so then he's got to ride it into the panic zone um, and really amp up the panic, which I think he's done pretty well. And, you know, his, his approval rating, I'm sure reflects that. Um, but just in the last couple of days, um, and I think maybe even today was the first time I've seen him in over a week come out and say, hey, we're going to get back to work and it's yeah. not going to be months. And I think that, that's a good sign that his people that are looking at the polling are realizing that people are getting tired out. They're realizing that they can't stay in their house forever. They don't know anybody that's died of this thing. They don't even know anybody that knows anybody that's died of this thing. So that, that knowledge is finally starting to permeate this big dumb beast we call the mob. And uh, now he's able to say, all right, let's bring it back a little bit towards sanity and uh, we'll, we'll see where we go. So I think, you know, it's unfortunate. I think that's the way things have always been, but we do have some weird stuff. Like I, I mentioned that it's making the mob more unpredictable than usual. Um, and that's, I mean, ultimately that's the equation that 
that I'm running and saying, I just want to be in a little bit more rural of a space because my neighbors are just a little bit more unpredictable than I thought they were a couple months ago. All right. Great analysis of the, the situation with the president, uh, how, you know, how he, he went with the flow. He couldn't. But now, clearly, he must have polling numbers that show that Americans are because, want to go back to work. And the funny thing is, if you look at social media, you wouldn't know that because the, the voices that want to go back to work the, are, are being classified as lunatics uh, by, the, by the mainstream media and stuff. But I think there is a silent majority out there. And, and 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 we're part of it right now. Uh, I, I I don't know about other countries uh, because I'm not in other countries. I can only see the social media that's coming out of them. So that might be uh, skewing. You know, there might be biased stuff there. I do want to read here. Uh, this is from the United the United Kingdom. Just sent out this uh, text message. It says new rule. Everyone somehow they can send it to everyone. Uh, coronavirus alert, new rules in force now. You must stay at home. More info and exemptions at the uh, their status website. Stay at home. Protect the NHS. Save lives. That is, that's fascism right there. Protect, oh, protect the NHS. I mean, that is, isn't that fascist? I mean, am I, am I confused here? Yeah, I, but I, we've, I, been, we've been living that, man. Like, uh, I see... So there's two things that are causing people to maybe three things that are causing people to freak out right now. The virus itself, which we don't, a lot of us don't think is that big of a deal, but if you're wearing a mask to the grocery store, I'm not calling you crazy, right? Like it's reasonable. Um, so then there's the, uh, then there's the economic, uh, problem. And then there's the, the growth of government power. Um, as far as the economic problem goes, I'd say, you know, don't invest in things that you don't understand. Um, Bitcoin's a good idea. Uh, don't get rid of all your dollars because things don't usually change super fast. Um, but don't be totally dependent on, on dollars either. Um, and you can do that. I think Bitcoin's the, the only thing that I really feel good about owning right now is Bitcoin. Um, but, you know, I'm a little bit diversified uh, and I do have some dollars. I have plenty of dollars to, to if, if it doesn't hyperinflate, which is possible. And those dollars have gotten, even with all the printing, those dollars have gotten me more purchasing power uh, because everybody's running out of equities, right? And so it's it's a little bit messy to navigate the economic problem, but I think, you know, stay, stay out of investing in things that you don't understand and that will serve you well. Um, but then the other problem is like the growth of statism. And I think it's true that the government is getting a lot of powers right now, but um, I don't think that this is a conspiracy all of this stuff seems like a real natural consequence of the way that the world is set up. There was a time where I wasn't sure, maybe two weeks ago, I, I was like, eh, this is, this is looking like it could be, you know, a big power grab. Um, but just looking at the way things are set up and the way they're playing out, I don't think we need to ascribe conspiracy to this one, even though it's possible, it just doesn't matter. Um, so the, the, uh, the question is like, with this growth of statism, how do we respond to it? I think, it's clearly not a good thing, uh, but it's also probably pretty temporary. Um, I know there's nothing as temporary as a, you know, or nothing as permanent as a temporary government program or whatever. But the, the, the idea that like these laws are getting passed or whatever, and we're losing tons of freedoms, we didn't have any freedom, you know, relatively a year ago. The only reason like the constitution hasn't been protecting us in the United States. Um, what's been protecting us is that people are dangerous and a little crazy. And if you push them too far, they'll push back. And, uh, 
we have a lot of, you know, crazy people in the United States and sometimes they get on my nerves, but times like this, I really appreciate them because they're keeping, uh, they're, they're keeping the, uh, you know, the, the liberals and the uh, socialists and the conservatives that want to go to war all the time in check a little bit because nobody wants the crazies getting too pissed off. Um, so that's why we're free, right? We're free because we're dangerous. That's, that hasn't changed. The only thing that's changed is right now we're, as a group, very fearful and uh, willing to give up a lot of freedom. But if the tequila dries up in about six weeks, we're going to get real dangerous and we're going to get way more dangerous than we were before. And the amount of freedom that we're going to get back is going to be maybe more than I even want. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not about the paperwork. It's about the dynamics that are in play. And those really haven't changed that much. Excellent. Well, pound that like button, everyone. I want to uh, say, you know, you were talking about uh, being on Twitter, being shadow banned. I want to remind everyone that's that's watching this show right now. It is very, it has become apparent that I think since Saturday, and I don't know why it started Saturday, but it, it, it appears it started Saturday, that YouTube, for some reason, maybe they changed their algorithm. Uh, maybe I'm on a list. I, I don't know. I just want to say to the people who are loyal watchers of the show, they are not sending out notifications Uh as much as they used to. And beforehand, it, they weren't doing a real good job of it, but that was fine. But they really cut down on that. So um, the people are not finding out about these videos unless they like come to my channel. So dudes, follow me on Twitter at TechBalt, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T, and retweet you know, when I go live. So the people who can watch it live, and they can know that I'm still making videos because it is, it's pretty obvious that something's changed with the algorithm or Something is up uh, in, in social media land. I'm not going to get into uh, conspiracies. This is where the big boys play. So this, this is where the big boys play. I want all of you to be proactive and you know support the show by retweeting, et cetera, et cetera. And I was I was DMing actually J, JW the other day, and it's just I find it fascinating that during this time when we're living through unprecedented times, that it seems like more than ever people are just fo following the social media algorithm. And they're just, they're not, this is a time for individuals to seek out, to manually go on social media and check out different people's feeds, to check out the links below when you watch a video and like, and, and not, not just go where YouTube tells you to go, but go where, you know, you're, you're, you, other people are saying, Hey, this is good. Check it out where you actually have to take action. It seems like now people are just along for the ride at, at more than they ever were before. They're intellectually lazy more so than they were ever before. And this is a time you, you shouldn't be that way at all. Just don't listen to what the government, don't buy into the narrative at this time. But it just seems like that in this, uh, and this is what's frustrating to me and, and other people, just people are eating up the narrative more so than they they ever uh, were before. And I guess it's, it's this fear-based thing. All right, so... Uh, and I wanted to quote a Michael Knowles real quick. He said, this is a dictatorship of the experts. <laughs> That's, I, I, I like that. I like that. Uh, I like that saying out there. All right. And I also want to read this tweet from the FDIC. This is, this is from a, a lady at the FDIC has a video. It's linked to below. Forget the mattress. Keeping large sums of cash at home is risky. The best place to protect your money is in an FDIC-insured bank where it's safe and sound. Learn how the FDIC safeguards your money. And she gives a link. All right, dudes. 
this is where we start to talk about Bitcoin during this show. <laughs> All right. So JW, the, the United States government uh, doesn't want people to panic out of the dollar. They don't want people to panic out of banks. Um, they're printing a lot of money. They're coming up with you know, QE to infinity. Who knows? Everyone's buying up these uh, programs. They love it. What's your take? The Bitcoin halving is not getting canceled like, you know, all the baseball games and uh, soccer games. So w- what's your take on Bitcoin uh, leading up to the halving? Yeah, so I'm like famous for being probably the worst Bitcoin investor to date, right? Like I'm one of the few people that bought in it. Like I think my average buy price was 17.5, somewhere in that range. I thought it was higher, but I think it was about that. Um, and that was just because that's when I heard, when I learned about Bitcoin and it, the, the light bulb finally went off. But I don't regret that. I'm fine with that. Um, in fact, right now, I'm actually more fine with that than I expected to be. Like the whole idea that everything is crashing and Bitcoin isn't crashing harder. Never. I, I, I thought that was the stupidest idea in the world because it's the way I look at it is it's like a very risky high tech investment. Um, but it's weird that this very risky, in my mind, high tech investment is performing better than the S&P 500 in a time of panic and crisis. So that's really interesting. I mean, I know a lot of people have thought that it was going to like go up or even perform better, but the fact that it's not performing terrible, like it's basically been flat. Um, you know, I don't know what, even if it came down a little bit, it's flat because the purchasing power of the U S dollar has gone up, right? The dollar has become more valuable. So I think that's pretty interesting. I haven't fully internalized that yet, but it's definitely something that I didn't expect to see. Um, but overall, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's winning, right? It's going to continue to win. It's going to continue to to permeate uh, people's minds. I mean, how, how many people right now think that there's gold in the vaults for all the dollars that are being printed? Probably a lot less than a couple months ago. Um, when they say we have infinite dollars in the Federal Reserve, I think some people are going to go, oh, wait a minute. How could they have infinite dollars, right? I, I even saw people talking about like, um, you know, the platinum, the, the supposedly they're going to mint, or maybe they did. I don't yeah. know. This $1 trillion platinum coins. People honestly were like, where are they going to get all that platinum from? Right. I'm like, yes, you're going to get it. You're asking the right question. You know, within a couple of uh, a couple of more steps, you're going to, you're going to have a rude awakening to the, the fiat monetary system. Um, so, you know, I, I think this is, I think we're in a good spot as far as all that goes. The, the one thing that I would say though, is that like, I think all the Bitcoiners are pretty sure the end of the world's happening. Like, oh, they've printed, you know, X trillions of dollars. Um, that's not necessarily true. The name of the game here is they want to print money to scare people back into equities, right? More, more realistically, they want to print money because they likes money, right? And they're not going to print, like if they were a third world country, to be easier for us to evaluate it. You don't want to print so much money that you hyperinflate the system. So when are you going to print money and take, let's say, take money off the table if you're if you're running the printing system? When people when when dollars are getting more popular. And practically speaking, that means when equities are going down. So people are freaking out, they're exiting equities. I think that's just an opportunity for these guys to print money. Now, if they overprint, it can cause major problems, but I don't know if they're overprinting. Like yeah. you wanna print as much as the panic will allow you to print to bring the purchasing power of the dollar you know, down, but not so far that you end up hyperinflating it. There's a lot of panic out there and a lot of running from equities. So that's what they do. They're, they're slave owners that you know are farming all of us. I don't know that they've suddenly gotten really bad at that. They've been decent at it for the last hundred years. So, um, you know, that's good news and bad news, but 
um, yeah, I think I think we're probably all going to be okay in a couple months, and it won't it won't be as big of a deal as we thought. But uh, you know, you're hearing that from a guy that's moving out and uh, <laughs> going to make some lifestyle changes at the same time as a result of this. Well, I, I gotta say, I like I, I like your take on on the dollar. There, people are buying up the dollar story. They still believe in the dollar story because they believe in the panic story. So that's when the, when the panic story is on fire, the dollar story is on fire. So I, I've said uh, I don't believe in hyperinflation anytime soon, and uh, I, I I I can see why people are flocking to the dollar. I think they should be flocking to Bitcoin because it's the best money out there. But I see the rationale for the people to to jump into this. So you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you you think I mean we could hit we're gonna there's gonna be an announcement soon I think that we're at twenty percent unemployment I, I, and that's a scary number. With that in mind, you think that in the next few months that everything could come roaring back again? I think it's possible. I mean, I'm, I'm maybe fifty fifty on that because. Uh, I mean, there's a good argument that we were already going into an economic decline, right? It happens every five to 15 years. We're right in the sweet spot of that. What are we, four, 12 years in or something like that? 14 years in, it was due. They were, they were. I mean, we were nearing zero interest rates. We were at, a, at that clip before this happened, right? So there's a lot of indications that we were looking at a multi-year economic slowdown before this happened, and maybe that was the uh, maybe this has been the the thing that pushes over. That's very possible. On the other hand, this is such a crazy amount of fear and panic that is all going to vaporize, in my view, over the next six weeks. That it could snap back quite a bit. Um, I don't know if it'll snap back to as high as it was, but I could see it snapping back so much that this seems like a uh, like a short term event. Um, so, you know, it's also possible it gets a lot worse, right? Like uh, it's also, you know, smart people, they, they kind of expect things happen in kind of a normal curve, right? Or, you know, the likelihood is things don't change, but there's that 10% chance that my kid gets sexually abused in school. So I'm not going to put him in school, right? So you, you, you make decisions to keep things uh, in your favor, and you, you don't necessarily think that every kid is getting sexually abused, but you look at the stats and you go, ah, it's 10 times higher, right? Uh, that, that dude's a stepdad. I know that that means there's a 10 times higher likelihood he's going to abuse the little girls that are in his charge, right? You, you just know about how the world works and you, you try to avoid um, not putting on your seatbelt when you get in the car, right? Little decisions like that. So I think that's you know how smart people are going to manage this too. Um, even if we're off, we'll, we'll be fine. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's, it's, things are probably not going to change as much as people think it's going to change in the middle of the greatest panic I've ever seen in my lifetime. Do you think some people just want to live through their own 9-11, that this is, <laughs> that, that that's part of the reason this is being blown apart, that, you know, people look back on history and they, they want to they live through their own moment of drama here. And that's part of the reason uh, this, this stuff, fear and panic gets spread. I, there's probably an element of that. Like there's probably an element of wanting relevance or something, yeah. but I really think that like the huge causal elements here are media becoming irrelevant and being thirsty for clicks. Um, I mean, we, we were talking about it briefly before every time there's a storm, right? It's like, it's a meme, right? You've got like a newscaster 
standing out in the wind and it looks like he's about to get blown over and then some dude just walks by, right? That's the media that we have now. It's weird. That's a real weird state of affairs. And uh, they're, they're more desperate. The smarter people have left more and more, right? Like if you're in media right now, if you're in traditional media, you are the dumbest of the dumb because everybody has left that could go get a better job. That industry has been dying for two decades now, just falling apart. Who stays in that? It's not the smartest people. It's not the you know people that have other options. So you have that really intense dynamic happening. At the same time, you have social media happening and you have a real intense pressure from politicians on social media. Like th- those two things are objectively true. Nobody questions them and they fully explain any panic, right? Any, any, any reasonable like issue. Um, the coronavirus is perfect for this because it lends itself so well to panic in the sense that, especially on social media, but also, you know, I'm going to put this at the feet of public schools too. There's not a lot of people that are very intelligent and critical thinking. We've been indoctrinated, not educated. So if somebody tells you, hey, a thousand people got a virus and 500 of them died, 99% of people are going to freak out and go, it kills 50% of the people. It's going to be a small percentage of kids that were homeschooled or had better parents that are going to go, ah, I know this trick. What was the sample size? What was the sample population, right? And that's not going to be very many of us. So, um, and the answer is the sample population was people that fell over in front of the hospital, right? So you could have a hundred thousand people that have the virus, but you're only looking at a thousand people and half of them died. You think it's a, it kills half the people, right? So it's pretty well set up to, it's, it's good enough of a scary event to completely take off in the face of social media and stupid media. So I, I think that's the only real cause here. And again, another reason it's scary is because you can't see it. That that's, it could be everywhere. I mean, that that's just a natural fear of people, you know, when you can't see the, the enemy uh, it, it's, it's a bit scarier. Now I, I want to, you know, we're talking about social media. We're talking a little bit about Bitcoin. You, you're, you're, you check your Twitter feed and everything. You, you've seen uh, people who are into Bitcoin begging for a shutdown uh, of the economy. Have you been disappointed by some people out there? You know, actually, I think I think I have been more disappointed by people in general. Like, that's why I'm moving, right? I clearly had a higher expectation of their behavior. Um, and I'm not like, I'm not like heartbroken, disappointed. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm moving. Um, but as far as like people in... Um, like social media, like I think Peter McCormick is, uh, I think he's a good guy. And I think a lot of people are focused on him. I think he, he tries to, I think there's two things going on. I think he is sort of an average Joe, but I also think that he kind of tries to mirror his audience a little bit. Um, and I, so he tweeted out something that was along the lines of I'm a full on statist right now. You get you, you crazy and caps can worry about, um, you know, things after we survive this, which is, you know, it's, it's typical, like, let's just run to daddy. Um, but it's not like I didn't know that a lot of these people think that the government solves problems, right? They, they really do think central planning works. They haven't read Mises. They haven't read Rothbard. They haven't read, um, uh, uh, I don't want to say Hayek. I hate Hayek for the record. I'm trying to think of uh, uh, Hoppe. Um, they haven't read these guys. And so they don't actually know that government doesn't solve problems. So it doesn't totally shock me that they would run to government when it happens. But, but I think the, uh, I mean, my main response to him is like, 
Look, I, I get that um, I get that you're scared right now and that you think that this is a good idea, um, but it's it's not a good idea. And the only reason in a lot of these situations that I can keep my head and say it's not a good idea to do these things that are unethical is I believe that God exists. If I didn't believe God existed, it would be a lot harder for me, right? So I'm very sympathetic. Like maybe you, you can say like, I'm crazy for believing God exists. All I'm saying is I have an excuse for being more level-headed here. And maybe it's because I'm superstitious, right? I'm not trying to have that debate right now. What I'm saying is I believe God exists and I believe that he punishes people that violate ethics, even if they think that it's going to have a good outcome. So it's pretty easy for me in a way to go, hey, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sign off on taking my neighbor's rights or forcing my neighbor essentially at proxy gunpoint to stay in his house because I think God will get me if I do that. So, you know, I, I got to give people, a lot of people a big pass on that because it's easier for me uh, with that baseline assumption that God exists um, to, uh, to avoid, you know, power grabs that might otherwise seem very rational. Wow. Pound that like button if you didn't know that uh, JW believed in God. I did. I had no idea. No idea. We're, we're learning stuff here on the show today. I did not know that. Very, very interesting. But that's for, that's for another show, obviously. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out, has society become more feminine over time? I, I just oh, I, Unquestionable. Look okay. at you. Look at you asking that question while you're using your hand in a way that would probably get you punched in the face <laughs> 20 years ago. Indeed, it, it, indeed, we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. But that is, that, I mean, that's that's. Let's let's talk about that aspect of the panic. It does seem like there's there's a lot of ladies out there that want, uh, they want someone to stand up now to all this. They're very scared and they're running. And I, I think individually, guys should be providing that stability to to their ladies. But it, it seems like they're looking at the government for that stability. Totally, totally. Yeah, that was that was a that was a cheap shot, man. We've all been uh, feminized over the last couple of decades. Um, none of us have been working in the coal mines. I, I promise you, if you ran into me on the street in San Francisco, I'm not wearing the fancy pants, but I'm not standing out in the crowd either. Um, so, no, no, I mean, we're all we're. It's a very comfortable society. I'm a pretty looking man. I mean, it's it's uh, <laughs> and, and and that and you know you try to look <laughs> that that's just the way. It's a beautiful time. It's great to be alive. But on beyond the superficial femininity stuff that we're yeah. we're, all, we're all guilty of, I, I, I'm let's talk about the let's talk about the the, the mentality. The men, and there's nothing wrong with the being a lady or anything like that. But during these times, we're seeing yeah. a lot of people really default to this helplessness. Damn, we're all damsels in distress. Yep, and we need yep. we're not all damsels in distress, dudes. We could be pretty looking or whatever, but we're not. <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not damsels in distress and it just it, it seems like that's we everyone wants to be a victim that that's what's cool this day to to, to, to be that way and yeah no you, you, I, there's no question that um statism does breed that right um so one of the ways that this plays out this might get me in, in trouble with uh with the audience a little bit is um if you're looking at you're, you're looking at the chinese right so there's this v video that twitter hasn't limited this uh, because it's popular, right? And I don't believe that employees at Twitter do hate Chinese people. Uh, I think they they're, they would have a tendency to be less racist probably than, than other demographics, right? Or at least try very hard not to be. Um, but there's this video that uh, that's very popular of 
this Asian woman. Um, it's, she's like obviously a Chinese woman in her like sixties and she's trimming the hedges. I don't know if you've seen this and she finds this little bird's nest and she picks up the bird's nest and it's cute. And there's these little baby birds in there and she starts eating them like they're chicken wings out of a bowl, just raw right there, just crunching them down mm. and then puts the bird's nest back. Uh, James something tweeted it out, an, an actor. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll dig it up for you later. And she goes back to uh, trimming the hedges, right? And the, the problem with that is that um, that it, it's it's feeding in this like dehumanizing the Chinese, right? Like we're scared of them. They're dirty. They eat baby birds, you know, all this sort of stuff. And it doesn't have the context of a billion people just got pulled out of poverty. Yeah. A billion people didn't even have the concept of toilet paper a generation ago. Like it takes time for these people to become a little bit more sophisticated and not be in a position where their bellies are pissing them off all the time. Like, I don't know what that's like, but I know that most of humanity throughout history has known hunger all the freaking time, right? So we got to put that in context and cut these people some slack. And the other pushback that I have towards that, like just hating the other is we're not so hot ourselves, right? Like the Chinese don't have a ton of sexual partners, for example, the amount of uh, like degeneracy, you know, orgies and that sort of stuff that's very common in San Francisco that's not common over there. And I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but there's a lot of diseases that can be spread when you're you know, drinking beer out of somebody's butthole, right? So let's not get too, too uh, pissed off at people for, um, for their, their culture and the way that it is, because ours isn't so hot either. And uh, we just need to give people a little bit of a break before we end up causing this panic to become something that could turn into, you know, something really bad, like a conflict or worse embargoes or starving somebody yeah. or- yeah. I agree. This is not the time for scapegoating. A lot of people are like, who who should we blame for this? Who, guys, it's long past that. Let's take personal responsibility. Let's, as individuals, attack the situation as it is right in front of our face right now. I, I don't care where it started, if it was in a lab, if it was from eating a bat or whatever, and who ate that bat. It, that, that passed a long time ago. That's just noise at this point. Let's there is a there's a new sickness around the United States. How as individuals are we going to deal with it, and how can we remain productive? And how aren't we? Let's not get into a panic. So uh, I am yeah, not our, our I am ancestors by China at all. There's a lot of people like cut off all trade with China now. I mean, that might not be very that's very reactionary, dude. I mean, you still want products. I mean, they make products that are useful. It's not all cheap nonsense. So uh, like, don't. Don't again. The, the solution uh, shouldn't be uh, worse than the the actual problem. But uh, yeah. yeah, continue. Sorry. No, no. I mean, you, you bring up a good point. Like the, one of the things that people can do that's really actionable is they can learn how economics works. And this is a good time. I mean, one of the things that I'm trying to do is is um, which is not not easy when I'm uh, when nobody's seeing my tweets is help people understand the effects of price controls because the only reason that there's a shortage of masks is we have price controls right now and nobody's talking about this. It is illegal to charge more than let's say $5. Probably you can't even charge $5 for a mask. If you put in price controls, that means that people that could otherwise produce that product for a higher price will not produce that product. And I guarantee you, if you want a mask right now and you're willing to pay $100 for it, and there's a lot of folks out there doing that, the normal effect of this and uh, would be that 
people that have access to factories or even just sewing machines and the right equipment would be working around the clock to make these masks and get them shipped out and get into your hands. That's what high prices do. They incentivize people to solve your problem. And what happens when that happens is if somebody sells a mask for a hundred bucks or they sell a truckload of masks for a hundred dollars, other people hear about that. And what do those people do? They go cha-ching. And so the price ends up dropping. And that is the fastest way to get the price to come down is to allow people that are willing to do the work right freaking now and get their hands creatively on whatever the supplies are to put together the product and get it in your hands that you're willing to pay for. Um, So if, if people will, out of this crisis, start to understand those real basic economic realities. I think that can that can help a lot during the next crisis. So- well, dude, you're you're asking for a lot right there for people to be able to learn from this instead of being emotional uh, from this. Because when when you, what you said was made total sense, it is there's no emotion in it. It's facts, not freaking feelings. But it's feelings that has been dr- driving this entire thing. When you say something like you just said. If you said it on social media, you will be attacked as being heartless, and that 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 seems to be the uh, the way of the day. Just let emotion overwhelm you, and it becomes so overwhelming that people lose track of what is logic and reason. And this is the beauty of Bitcoin. That uh, I'm going to tie it all together, baby. There is no Bitcoin. The having is happening. It's pure money. Is is it's not emotion. If you don't like it, then don't be in it. Okay. But uh, no, we're, we're, there's a lot of people that are trying to take this situation, try to take the emotion out of the situation. But um, it, it seems like on social media, at least, it's, it's all about emotion. It is not about logic. And you're a cruel, heartless person if you suggest, uh, you know, if you even, if you don't call something price gouging, if you don't, I mean, there's, there's yeah. all these labels out there, these very emotional, uh, emotionally charged labels that are being used. And p- people need to get past that and just like, hey, ha- how can we really solve this? Let the let the market uh, take its uh, l- let the market be. But uh, th- that's uh, again, we're in a statist uh, uh, type of world now, where interference is the you know government interference is the way of life. So oh well. Yep. So um, here's here's a more positive uh, take on some of this stuff. Part of what's happening here is, or part of the reason that this this uh, statism isn't a good idea is that it kind of is like this fake family, right? Where mm-hmm. Donald Trump is now everybody's daddy. That's why people either love him or hate him. He's either yeah. a good daddy or a bad daddy. He can't just be some politician that doesn't really affect my life very much. So you have, you have this weird pseudo family structure and that does cause weird sort of uh, behavior, right? Like the feminization that you're talking about and things like that. Um, so, one of the things that China has going for it and other countries have going for them is, yeah, they might still eat a raw baby bird, but they still have that family structure in place. And yes, you know, a lot of these people from the country are moving into the cities and they're getting indoctrinated. Not as effectively as you might think in a lot of cases, though. Uh, China gets a lot of credit for stuff that they don't actually execute on very well. Um, so there, there is like, there's a lot that, uh, let's say, third world cultures have to offer us um, in bringing us back to some sanity. And as there's things that get taken out of the state's control, right? Hopefully Bitcoin removes money from the state's control. Um, as far as communication goes, social media has actually made a ton of progress in removing power from the state. It's not, I mean, it's still a nightmare, right? 
but it's far better than the five channels that we had before. And we just got spoon fed everything, you know, 50 years ago. So that's, that's getting slowly taken out of the state's control. And that will allow the family unit to, to like thrive again, right? There will be natural relationships where instead of looking to Donald Trump to provide for me the check, people will be looking to grandpa that's been working for, you know, the last 60 years of his life and he has some money saved up and he's going to take care of the family or, and, and you know, grandma that, um, you know, maybe grandpa's dead, but we still have, you know, people in our family that have earned their position of having savings and providing for, for the family unit. And a lot of those natural relationships will reemerge, right? When, when you have a family, you have a tendency, you know, the big strong guy in the family, right? Tends to be somebody that people look to and get comfort for or from when there are threats around, right? So eventually that won't be Donald Trump. That will be your actual dad and that will be great. Um, so I think we're headed in that direction. And, uh, I think there's probably a lot of third world countries that are going to be fortunate because they're going to skip this weirdness. They're going to skip the whole degenerate uh, sexual revolution stuff that started when we were kids and has continued on and just gotten you know all the way through transgender kids and all this weirdness. They're just going to go from you know a world where they had a family and they were poor to a world where they still have a family and they're not as poor. All right. That's coming from a dad right there. Yes, there are still dads out there. Pound that like button. But great points about how people see uh, the, the president as their daddy now. Uh, and they want some people want a new daddy and some people like this daddy. And OK, now I, I, something that I forgot to bring up. But uh, again, speaking about Twitter, uh, Twitter issues, what's trending on Twitter right now? Not dying for Wall Street is a hashtag. And I just wanted to point out the ignorance of that, that people think it's a choice between shutting the whole economy down and, 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 and dying. I mean, dude, if this is not for Wall Street. It's shutting the whole economy down hurts the you know, local business owner much more so than it hurts the, uh, the, the, the guys on Wall Street. Okay, They're rich. They'll, they'll be fine. Okay? They're going to be fine if the, if, the, if the world is shut down for, for a, a – They're going to do great. In fact, they're, they're the ones that are going to know – beforehand when the numbers are going to come in positive right so the guys on wall street they are making a killing this is a i mean this is a massive wealth transfer from people on the inside that know what the cdc is going to say before they say it to everybody else that know what the fed's going to do before everybody else those guys are not doing bad at all because they yep. know when to short the market they know when to long the market nobody else knows that there's going to be a massive wealth transfer from people with 401ks to hedge fund managers and inside politicians. What JW is saying right now, everyone needs to keep in that in mind. You stick with your system during this time, okay? Because you're not, you don't have the insider information that those dudes have. Don't panic sell your stuff now, okay? Because those dudes are the dudes that are gonna get it, okay? They, they have an advantage in this game over you. So just keep on doing what you're doing, people. Uh, especially the, the Bitcoin people out there. This is this is not a time to to change your your system at, at, at all. But uh, you can't make short term investments if you're making short term investments. You know, altcoins should have taught us all this, right? Vitalik knows when he's going to say something positive and when he's going to say something negative. If you think you're going to outtrade Vitalik, you're an idiot. It's the same <laughs> thing with Federal Reserve. Don't play the short term trading game. Buy things that solve problems and are valuable and hold them for at least five years and don't do anything else. 
But so I can go into to Twitter and social media, just look at the mindlessness of, of, of all of this. People are, are basically saying, no, if we, I'm scared I'm going to die. So we need to keep every, everything needs to be shut down now. And you only want to get things going again because you want to make Wall Street people rich. And that's just, that's just not the, they, they are so, they bought into this uh, narrative so much. It is, it's unbelievable. They're well, hurting, I mean, you think hurting. they've bought into the narrative. Like, here's some good news. Some good news is that we don't know what's trending right now because all these algorithms are manipulating what's actually trending. For all we know, and I think that this is more likely if you just go to the grocery store and, and chat with people, which is real, uh, more direct data, it's very likely that the fear is fading at this point. It's very likely people are starting to get more concerned about their bank account balance than they are about this virus that may or may not be an issue. Um, and they're, you know, I mean, part of it is the mob is stupid, right? So if we just think of everybody as stupid, I'm not saying everybody is stupid, but it's a good, it's a good way to think of it. Stupid people overreact constantly. So yes, they were overreacting. Just because that that tag is trending, it's as likely to me that it's being manipulated to trend, right? Uh, and so I don't, I don't really see that as, as terribly bad news, but the sentiment is out there. And I think part of the reason for that is that there are enough people that they don't, they don't know enough about economics to know what it is when we're talking about the economy and what we're talking about when we're talking about the economy is all of us solving little problems to not die. I solve this problem. I give you the results. You solve that problem. You give me the results. If we all stop doing that, we all die. So we do need to get back to work. Um, we do need to return to solving problems. And uh, and I think we're going to, right? I think we'll be back there within a week or two because, you know, try, trying to keep a bunch of uh, of Americans in their house, you can do that for a little while, but it gets really dicey to be a politician and do that for too long. Yeah, well, let's let's hope for the silent, that, that, that this silent majority really does exist. And hopefully more and more can uh, speak up like uh, JW and I are even though uh, we might be throttled by so certain uh, social media platforms. And just to show you the how mindless things are, and, and some people are going to think this is like almost like a conspiracy, like it's too good to be true. Activist Greta Thornburg uh, says it's extremely likely she and her dad have the virus now or something. Okay. So that that's that. Ugh. It sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Uh, uh, come on. I mean, yeah, it's disgusting. These, I mean, one of the things that this does reveal is just how pathetic all these people are. Like, you know, the, the when you see that guy walk by the newscaster and he's pretending to be blown around, you're just like, what an idiot. And the answer to that, like, why is that guy that pathetic? It's because he sucks. He sucks at life. He became a newscaster. He thought he was going to be on the nightly news on ABC. He's standing out, you know, at a storm surge and nothing's happening. And he's so desperate to get out of that $25,000 a year job into the $40,000 a year job. If he can somehow pull off an Emmy or whatever stupid award they get by being dramatic. Right. I mean, these people are just pathetic. And, uh, and uh, like Greta Thorberg, all these people that have come out and said, I have the virus. Like we, first of all, we all know that we can't get tested. Why, why can they get tested, right? And we all know that when they say I might have the virus, it means absolutely nothing because the difference between the symptoms of a flu and the yeah. symptoms of a cold in a hard, uh, uh, maybe the vast majority, but let's say a significant percentage at least of people are indistinguishable. So yeah, it's pathetic. It is absolutely just, you're a loser, pathetic. 
I, I will say this. I, I think we're going to learn at the end, you know, maybe by 2021, we're going to look back on this. And I think more people, because there is no testing or whatever, we're going to find out there's so many, I mean, you and I might've already had it. I think a lot, it's it, the rate of infection is going to be much higher earlier on than we thought it was, um, which, which is going to make a difference in, in, in the long run here. Um, I, I do, I do hope that many more people were infected with it and just don't know it that because most people who get it don't even know that they got it. And there, there, there's all sorts of semi evidence out there that it, this, this disease might've been here earlier. And if it was here earlier then more people already had it, more people are immune to it and it's just not going to spread as much. So, uh, we'll see. We, and so, but, but instead people just panic and say, no, 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 it's the worst is yet to come. It kills 5% of the people. It's, it's all these, complete uh misuse of numbers it's it's sickening so uh any any uh, final thoughts before we get out of here anything you wanted to add about bitcoin economics virus panic life in general it's it's been great to have you on yeah man i think i'll just uh, i want to hit you guys with a couple of facts that might be soothing because i know most people are still freaking out about the virus um one is that 99 percent of the italians that died had pre-existing conditions um, another is that the narrative that they're pushing right now about, um, you know, 40% of people that are in serious condition under the age of 50 or whatever, that's almost certainly bullshit mm -hmm. because, um, they all have pre-existing conditions, right? So yes, there, there are a lot of younger people that are, uh, that are in serious condition. I, I, um, am highly convinced that they all are dying of leukemia before they got the virus. Um, and part of the reason for that is that the story that they led with when they shifted this narrative, you can still go find it. It was the uh, headlining story in New York Times. It was either yesterday morning or the day before that. It was all about a young man. Uh, Tom Woods tweeted this out actually, all about a young man that is dying was the first big story about a young person in the US dying. And if you if you dig down, you'll find out he was literally dying of leukemia before this happened. So I think they're pretty good at finding ways to terrorize us if that's the best they've got. Take some comfort that it's probably BS. Yeah, there's, it's sometimes you just have to dig down into the story. I mean, it's, it's the information is out there. Somebody had testicular cancer that, that they got, I mean, they're not a hundred percent healthy youth, but you're absolutely right. That's the big narrative right now is the young can die too. The young, and you said 99% of the people in Italy, I think it's, I think it's even higher than that. I think it's like 99.5% of the people in Italy uh, have preexisting conditions and people, uh, if you were a vapor or a smoker, uh, that's a, that's a preexisting condition too, by the way. I mean, that, that's a, I mean, you made that choice back in the day. If you were messing with your lungs, uh, well, something comes along that affects your lungs, uh, you're, you're more at risk. I mean, that's just, yeah, but I, I think it's really way worse than that. Like, I think, um, I don't think, let me put it this way. I know that the media's job is to terrorize us, whether it's true or not. And I think that if, you were a smoker and you had a significant chance of otherwise being healthy, getting this thing and dying. And I mean, statistically significant. I think we would all know that because they are very good at grabbing facts when they suit them and, and providing them. Um, so I really don't think that it's even that dangerous uh, based on that sort of, you know, maybe that heuristic kills me someday, but it's been pretty reliable up to this point. Um, and I can tell you that the big news media thing they were pushing this morning was 40% of people, um, under the age or 40% of the people that are, it was actually 20 to 40%, which is a huge range uh, of people 
between the ages of like 40 and 60 um, are in serious condition, right? Something like that. But then they immediately followed that up with, but we don't know how many of them had serious pre-existing conditions. It's not hard to get that data. They know, or they intentionally didn't find out because they knew that that would cause maximum terror. Yeah, it, it would be. I said this early on. It would be nice just to have a spreadsheet, a simple spreadsheet that normal people can read that list all the ages, list all the pre-existing conditions, list people's sex, their race, their location, and let everybody judge on their own uh, if they fit what risk profile they they, uh, they fit. But no, people don't want to do that. There's no personal responsibility these days. Uh, just let the, the the media tell you what's really going on or the government to tell you what's really going on. Uh, and, and, I, and I do want to say, uh, what's the latest narrative? Uh, the main Something else that's going on is that uh, the, the media, because they're politicizing this too. And it, if this thing was so darn serious, they wouldn't be politicizing. I mean, if it was the end of the world type of thing, you wouldn't be trying to figure out ways to vilify the president and stuff. Right. But something, something that came out this morning was that some old people drank aquarium cleaner because they thought it had the uh, the the anti-malarial in it that would cure them, and thus that was the president of the United States' fault that yep. they drank the aquarium cleaner that that, that killed them uh, because he brought up the anti-malarial that might uh, be a, a cure to all this. I mean, it, it's just amazing that uh, it, they it, because Daddy said it. Uh, it, it's no take personal responsibility. Yeah, no, you're, that's that's exactly the right way to look at this stuff. I, I think that's the way I've been able to parse it in previous, uh, you know, fake tragedies. Is you look at something like that and you're like, all right, the best that this group of people that are spending millions of dollars per hour to find as much information as possible to make it look like whether you like Trump or not, millions of dollars per hour are spent making Trump look like a jackass, right? So if the best that they can come up with is some some people drank this thing and killed themselves, it's clearly a tragedy that and it sucks that that happened. He obviously like they're not finding much to scare us, right? That's the most that's the best that they can do. So I think I think that's the only way you can parse these people. You know they're liars. You know what their motive is, and you just got to go. Well, if that's the best they can come up with, this will be a good day. All right. Very good, people. I think that's a good way to end it. JW, thank you for, for your time today, man. Stay stay strong out there. Uh, keep on Follow. He, he's linked to below, people. Pound that like button. Please follow him on Twitter. And that means, like, just check out his Twitter feed every day. Treat it, treat it like a blog. That's how I treat people's Twitter feeds. I don't, I don't sit there and let Twitter show me what's, you know, I don't look at my feed that Twitter makes up. I actually go to people's Twitter feeds and and just treat it like blogs every day, every day. It's not, you know, it, it doesn't take that much time, people. Don't be lazy, <laughs> uh, you know, be, be proactive. But thanks again, JW. I am Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. You get a new show here every day. So keep coming back here because YouTube isn't reminding people that much anymore. Oh, well. Uh, I, I mean, I'm still, my podcast is doing better than this almost. Unbelievable. Uh, but some of you are listening to this right now on podcast. Anyway, follow me on Twitter at TechBall, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T. Everybody have a great day. Pound that like button, bang the bell button. See you tomorrow. I'm pushing stop live stream. Bye.